Greetings and welcome to Fresh Text. Fresh Text is a weekly podcast where a couple pastor scholars dig into the Word of God using a seasonally appropriate scripture passage drawn from the Revised Common Lectionary. We hope that it will be enjoyable and edifying for all, uh, but in equipping, especially for teachers or pastors who are working on sermons or lessons in the upcoming weeks. I'm your host, John Drury. I teach systematic theology and spiritual formation for Wesley Seminary at Indiana Wesleyan University. My guest this week is Kristen Taylor. Kristen is an old dear friend of mine. We went to college together, and uh, she's since then in the last 20 years uh, earned degrees in uh, English and literature. She's a masterful rhetorician and poet of her own, uh, and she also serves on a teaching team at her uh, local church in Ontario, where she preaches about four times a year. So she you know, she grew up in the mission field, grew up uh, in a, a multi-generational uh, home of uh, ministers and pastors. So she she learned the scriptures her whole life. Uh, she is uh, then trained in more in terms of language and literature, and she brings those skills to bear when she engages uh, the scriptures. Uh, you can see her uh, stuff out on social media and such, and she does a lot of really uh, neat poems and other works riffing off of scriptures inspired by the scriptures. So I've been dying to have Kristen on uh, for something a little different and something special uh, this week. So yeah, our text this week is Romans chapter 4. Verses 13 through 15, Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, which is the epistle lesson for the second Sunday of Lent this year. Make sure to subscribe if you're not already so you never miss an episode. And as you're listening, if you're enjoying the show, hit the share button on your podcast player app of choice to pass this show along to others so that they may benefit as well. And please consider supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash fresh text patreon.com slash fresh text, where you can uh, support the show through various ways, become a patron saint of the show. And that uh, helps support uh, some of those who work in the uh, behind the scenes aspects of this show. Thanks for listening and enjoy this conversation with Kristen. All right, well, let's jump in. Uh, we're looking at Romans chapter 4, verses 13 through 25. Romans 4, 13 through 25. Mm-hmm. Kristen, would you be willing to read the passage, any translation of your choice, uh, just to get us started? And I'll say a prayer, and then we'll start chatting about it. Great. So I'm reading from the NIV, Romans chapter 4, beginning in verse 13. It was not through law that Abraham and his offspring received the promise that he would be heir of the world, but through the righteousness that comes by faith. For if those who live by law are heirs, faith has no value and the promise is worthless. Because law brings wrath, and where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, the promise comes by faith, so that it may be by grace and may be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring not only to those who are of the law, but also those who are of the faith of Abraham. He is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God, in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. Against all hope, Abraham and hope believed, and so became the father of many nations, just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead 
since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it is credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness, for us who believe in him, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for this day which you have made. Please grant us the grace to rejoice and be glad in it. Father, we give you thanks for this hour to which we have been sent. We've been gathered and called by your spirit, we trust, for the reading, hearing, and study of your written word. And just as you spoke your word of affirmation over Abraham, and that that word then was carried and exposited by Paul, we ask that We too, Kristen, I, and all those listening in, would be caught up in that history of hearing and bearing the word, bearing it for ourselves, bearing it on behalf of others in whatever role we might have in our local communities. So we ask that your spirit would uh, lead us and guide us and equip us and authorize us for the task at hand. Uh, May we receive it as a gift of your grace. Mm -hmm. We ask this all in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So, what's what's jumping out at you? We always just start with open-ended observations. What what are you observing in this text afresh? Things you've seen before, something you're seeing new today. What's grabbing your attention? Well, there were a handful of things. I would say the big one that really grabbed, that felt like a new insight to me was in verse 17, where Paul says, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. And that struck me as kind of a funny aside, right in that moment to point out God's creative power. And it, it I wasn't I wasn't quite sure, and I'm sure you can speak to this. Why he is, like why when we're talking about faith are we stopping and talking about God and His ability to make something out of nothing? And then it made me think of Hebrews 11, where Paul says faith is being sure of what we hope for, but certain of what we do not see. And then I got to thinking about how faith, in many ways, is sort of assuming the same posture. Like we don't have the ability to make something out of nothing like God does. But in some ways, when we're having faith, we're, we're assuming that same posture of God here that Paul talks about in verse 17, and that there's sort of like a mirroring happening. And in that way, faith is a co-creative act, right? That like we are co-creating with God. And, and in, I guess like especially in the, in the context of this scripture, he's talking about our salvation, right? Like faith is our salvation. So anyway, I just thought that was such an interesting I don't know, point that he brings up. It struck me funny at first. I was like, why are, why are we talking about this right now? And then it led me down that that trail. So that was, yeah, my first big aha moment. Wow. Yeah. What's the connection between 
human faith and divine creating. Yeah. It seems to me that, I mean, two things come to mind when I hear you say that, if I may. Mm. Um, the first, and I'll set this one aside and we'll come back to it. The first is, is that he's, there's a, he, I think Paul's playing a little game in verse 17 here where he's talking about both creation and resurrection. Okay. Um, and so that I think is key. Mm. So, because that's the same power, that's the same relation, you know, it's God, God at the beginning, God at the end, something out of nothing kind of Mm. happens again. When we go back to nothing, he can bring us back to something. Mm -hmm. So I think that's going to be key, but let me come back to that in a moment because of what you said. I wonder if what mediates between the concepts of faith and divine creation is word that that's what's coming to mind for me. Ah. Like, so you have the God creates by speaking and that's referenced here when it says he calls things that are not things that are right. So the calling out, Mm. which, which that word can be used for naming, but also just for speaking. And obviously God creates by speaking his word. Right. Right. And that's referenced all throughout the new Testament. That's a kind of beloved theme. And then with, with Abraham, right. It's the promise of God, which is also a word spoken. Mm -hmm. And you oh, believe yeah. you you trust a word like when I if I if I have faith, mm-hmm. uh, the way that would be used every in an everyday way. It's not a religious word. It's only become a religious word. You know, this would have been, yeah. an, you know, like, like well, yeah. no, there are no religious words. They're just regular words yeah. that have been yeah. found found a place. But <laughs> like if I, you know, in Greek, the same word for faith, trust, believe. It's all the same word mm. in Greek. It's all pistis. Mm. So like if I trust you, if I trusted your word that you would log on today to meet me to record this, mm-hmm. right? I'm trusting in you, but I'm also trusting your word, right? So right. word, promise, trust, those are all clustered concepts, even in any language. That's not a, you don't need to study Greek to know that. You know what I mean? It's just kind of, right? You, you, My word is my bond. I'm trustworthy. These kind of things all kind of go together. And I wonder if there's something that Paul's trying to get at here to kind of say like, you might imagine faith is just believing things and couldn't be as powerful as, as the works of the covenant that are real. Faith doesn't feel real. Like you said, substance yeah. of things hope for it's unseen. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, but not if you're trusting in the guy who can make stuff with his mouth. Right. Like, I mean, he's like, if, if, if <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that it is just trusting in what someone says. Yeah. But when we, when we're talking about God, it's not just a sort of an idea. Like yeah. God's word makes realities. It yeah, creates right, things. Right. That's where my mind went as I was listening do. to you. Yeah. And that, I mean, this is probably a tangent, but it, it makes me think about why did God choose word as the way in which <laughs> to embody, you know, like this create, why, you know what I mean? Like this is such an interesting choice. Why is that the vessel that holds the creative power? What is what's what's the what does he know that we don't know, right? About word and language and yeah. Anyway. I think that's very important. I think it's more important in this passage than even an English translation mm. can bring out. Pardon oh, the Greek okay. geek moment here, but please bring it. So this word that in your version was it uh, what did you have in verse 24? Was it reckon? But the word, the the words it was credited to him were written not for him alone. Credited, yeah, credited, which makes is like a makes me think of like capitalism or market value. Yeah, you know, well, like no, it's it's exchange. linked though. It, it's linked. So, 
So credit comes from creditere, a uh, Latin word, which is the Latin word for believe. Uh-huh. So when I believe you, you have social credit with me, uh-huh. right? Like okay. you, you have, you have credit, mm-hmm. you know, is that, also give, to, is that also linked to my word? Like I'm going to give you my word for this. So, so that- yes, it's going to blow your mind in a moment here. Check okay. this out. <laughs> Sorry. I stole your, no, 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 you're good. No, no, you didn't steal anything. No, you're, <laughs> okay. you're seeing, you're seeing that the connection is natural and knowledge of the original languages is not magic. Yeah. You don't have to have this. Ma- I don't have this magical incantation where, by which I draw meaning out of the text because it's that you have a shorthand. It's that what might take an hour of thinking through conceptual relations takes yeah. like 30 seconds if you already know the language, right? right, right. But it's not magic. I still, it's just I still faster. think it's magic, but go ahead. It's not. <laughs> it's not. So here's, here's the word. Here's the word it, yeah. that's being translated credited for you. It's uh-huh. translated reckoned, I think, sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's cre- translated sometimes imputed. If you've ever heard the word imputed mm-hmm. righteousness, mm-hmm. same word. It's a hard word to translate. It's logizomai. Hmm. And those first three letters, L-O-G, is Logic. the word logos. logos. Yeah. Right, which is the word word in John 1. In the beginning right. was the word, right? Yeah. So this is this this verb, uh. logizomai. So it's adding that idzo. It changes it. So it's a word, uh-huh. but it's 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 a word that it's a performative word. You know this language from mm. you know philosophy of language. By by saying it, it makes it so. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, if I just say to you, Hey, I'll meet you at Starbucks later. Like you can believe me or not. And we'll see if it happens. Cause it's later, it's my later action that, that will yeah. constitute the, the truthfulness of it. Right. 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 The trustworthiness. Yeah. Whereas yeah. if I, when, you know, when my child was born, my last, my youngest child, Paul, and comes out and we see it's a boy. We didn't find out before with him because we already had a girl and a boy. So we're like, okay, we're good. We, we can do the surprise thing now. We know we have one of both, right? one of each. So it's a boy. And we had a name ready and we say his name is Paul. Mm-hmm. See, that's, this isn't exactly, you wouldn't necessarily use the verb, but that's a performative speech. Uh-huh. By right. saying it, it becomes the case, mm-hmm. right? Right. So naming is it like your reality. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what logizomai is. It's, it's so like if, uh, if I had a, it's, it, it's, you say capitalism, but of course this is pre-capitalistic, right. but it is an economic term. So in, yeah. in the economy of the first century, if someone had a debt mm. and you came and asked, Hey, would you be willing to forgive this debt? Because I'm married to your second cousin. Now we don't mm-hmm. want to have debts among family that, that, you know, that's how it would work. Mm-hmm. You now had social capital. It's how we would construct that in our world. And the person would, would say, yeah. And they'd call over their servant. And they'd say, cross that debt out. Mm-hmm. At that moment, that was by just saying it, you no longer owe the money. It's gone. It's gone from the books. And that's what logizomai, that would be the verb you would yeah. use in that context. And you know, So it's I like, guess- it's just credited. So God, by him believing it, yeah. that's, that's why he loves this phrase from 23, yeah. as it is written, you know, it was credited to him as righteousness, right? It, right. He believed and his, his belief counted as righteousness. And sometimes people think when Paul says that, it's like, well, we believe we're righteous even though we're not. And that's actually not Paul's argument. Paul's argument is when we believe, it actually is real. Is. Yeah, right. Well, because it's not God a game. Is, right, because God has spoken it, has made it so. Is that yeah, like, and by God's yeah. and since God right. can create and can raise the dead yes. with his mouth. Yes, right, right. And his word is 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 effective. And right. It, it, Again, uh, this may be another tangent, but this just makes please, me think about like how our understanding of the power of 
the word, the promise, right? God's creative power in the word, you know, how, has changed with the invention of the printing press and writing and like, yeah. and you know what I mean? Like, and I'm thinking about this in this context, in this culture, then it just hearing everything that you're sharing makes me appreciate at a new level, all the nuances that would have been probably inherent in this idea mm. of the power of the spoken word of giving a spoken promise that maybe is lost to us now because especially in the world of spin and you know, yeah. like it just doesn't, it doesn't register in the same way. Yeah. The primacy of the spoken word was so much clearer in the ancient world and mm. the preciousness of the written word, since it was handwritten mm. and couldn't just be photocopied and right. printed out ad nauseum. So you'd have a tiny class of people elite who would right. be able to read and write. Yeah. Yeah. And they would have a lot of economic power because they could keep the they books. Could, right. right. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's right. They do the reckoning, mm. the rendering, right. the logizomai. Right. Yeah. Um, I love that logizomai. That's going to yeah. be in my head now. I have no way of capturing that the word word is hiding in that into English. I haven't found Logos. a word yet. Logos. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I just say, uh, yeah, um, how would you say it? The word, the wordify, yeah. wordify, wordify. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. He wordified you, but if he you put wordify me. in there, you would then see the. Then all of a sudden, verse seventeen is not an aside; it's the heart of the argument. Ah, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. God gives life to the dead, and yeah, wordifies things that are not as though they were. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. I don't know. I'm just thinking out loud here. And then that's why he wants to then talk about Abraham and Sarah as being dead. He's as good as dead. He's too old, which is, and Mm -hmm. well, this is getting far afield, but I mean, in Genesis 17 is pretty raunchy in the original. Most translations hide this, but it's quite clear that he, he can't get uh, aroused. (laughs) That's PG. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it's, there's a, I can read that again. It's right there. You can see yeah, it. You, yeah. you might be able to read between the lines in the KJV, yeah. but it's hard to, it's hard to see, but it's, it's, uh, and then with her, it says that the way of women is no longer with her, which means she's postmenopausal, right? Yeah. So, and he is too old to get it up and it's very explicit. The, the, it's very graphic. Mm. Um, right. and Paul knows this, Paul knows the text he's quoting yeah. it here. Yeah. So this, they're dead. Right? right. In other words, right. in the sense of what makes a thing dead, it's not whether there's, I mean, this isn't a scientific concept of dead. It's, mm-hmm. it can't produce life. Mm-hmm. So he's as good yeah. as dead. And so in the midst of that, God is going to call things that are not as though they were. <laughs> yes. yeah. yeah. And he did that at the beginning of time. He will do that at the end of time. Jews already believed that. Yeah. Um, the shorthand is that he's our maker and our judge. And we'd say, meet your maker. He's the one at the beginning and the end. Yeah. Yeah. And the blow away news of the gospel is he also did it once in the middle of time with Jesus. Yeah. He rose Jesus from the dead. And um, then it can continue to do it then. Right? Bingo. Yeah. In our lives over and over and over again. Oh, I love it. And it's I love so that. Cool. The, the other thing that like struck me about this is that, the way I think this passage calls us to see again and again, the reality beyond our present circumstances, right? So against all mm. hope, you know, uh, without weakening his, you know, he faced the fact that his body was good as dead. 
but yet he's, but he didn't waver in his unbelief, right? That like, even in the face of everything, all the facts of, you know, everything that was seemed true and real, uh, there's a greater reality that he was leaning into, which to me is so, I just love that so much. I don't know why it re- that resonates so deeply with me right now. I think maybe because of having spent the last four years in, in higher ed where there's, in secular mm-hmm. higher ed, where there's such an emphasis on like, uh, you know, sort of empirical knowledge and, and we can't really give credence to things that mm. are, you know, spiritual or, you know, kind of outside and like, and learning about some really difficult, de- you know, I've done a lot of post-colonial work um, and never being able to include in those conversations, this larger reality, right? This larger spiritual truth or reality. So I think for me mm-hmm. right now, reading that, that just speaks to my soul of like, yes, we can face all the facts. We can, and maybe this is the preaching point later on. Like we can see what's going on around us in our circumstances. And yet then there's a the little mm. voice in my head that's like, but in, is that blind faith? And this kept coming uh, back to me, right? Like the skeptic, right? Like this, the, yeah. I hear, I hear the, the academic sitting on my shoulder saying, oh, but that's just, how can you throw out evidence? How can you throw out reason and just have faith? which Abraham's doing, right? But anyway, I don't know. Yeah, and an academic culture may give the permission for people to to speak that openly. But of course, all of our listeners, Mm -hmm. whether even in in non-academic context, know that though people don't always voice it in that kind of scientific way, faith just seems empty, void, fake, you're believing something that's not the case. You're just making yourself feel and better. It's a, it's a, it's like a self. Exactly. Yeah. Panic. And my favorite thing about what Paul's doing, this doesn't solve it, but to catch that at the heart of the argument here, at least as I understand it, mm-hmm. is that basically that's dead right if we weren't talking about God, mm-hmm. right? Like, I like, like to, right. to, there would be a mistake to just extol faith as a human activity. Right. Faith doesn't have magic powers to make things. Mm-hmm. real that aren't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. god does right and so i mean that doesn't that doesn't chase away the skeptic but it does at least clarify mm-hmm. uh at least where the center of gravity is and what paul's right. inviting and us to do yeah. yeah the one we believe in right absolutely the one we believe in has the power to make things that are aren't make things yeah. that aren't exist into reality right yeah well let's take a quick break and come back and explore that some more all right all right And we're back. Welcome back to Fresh Text. Here with my guest, Kristen Taylor, and we are looking at Romans chapter 4, verses, uh, I think we started verse 13 through 25 Mm -hmm. to the end. Yeah, so when we left off, we really got into how the word plays out and this talk Mm -hmm. of reckoning, well, Gidzo, my all that business. Mm -hmm. Um, And you mentioned right at the end a little bit about how just faith, this problem of a blind faith or ignoring evidence and how this is a real constant challenge in the modern and late modern, postmodern world, whatever you want to name it. Um, And is there a way that maybe he's trying to justify this to the Jews in the mix here too, right? Like who are really putting, like pinning their hopes on the law as the source of their salvation. Like is, is there a way in which he's trying to justify this to them too, that like, no, the Gentiles are equally as saved by faith as you are, this isn't a lesser form of salvation than the law. Yeah. So that's the, 
I mean, that's the overall point of how Romans is unfolding as a book as a whole. Mm -hmm. Although it's two-pronged, it's not just an argument about the legitimacy of, it's not just legitimizing us Jews, which Paul Mm -hmm. would be a part of, Mm -hmm. we Jews, including Gentiles. It's the question about God. Again, it's about, it's the center of gravity is on God's action. Mm. Is God unfaithful to his covenant? Is it legitimate Mm. for God to do this? Mm. (laughs) Right? Because then, because there are whole sections of the book of Romans that don't make sense if you don't keep that as the central question. Does Mm -hmm. that make sense? Mm -hmm. Um, Because by the time he gets to chapter nine to 11, it's like all about Israel's destiny and Mm -hmm. how they fit into the story. And that part always, I mean, in a lot of, Christian ways of talking about Romans. We don't know what to do sometimes with that chapter, right. uh, those three chapters, because it's like, oh, now he's suddenly talking about Israel. It's like, no, he's been talking about Israel the whole time. He's asking, <laughs> is God faithful to his word? He said yeah. that he was going to be, that these are his people. I will be your God. You will be my people. Which is why he's quoting so much scripture. So you're dead right with what you're saying. I just think it's important to mm-hmm. highlight this. The center of gravity is not the way we would put it in after the Reformation, gotcha. am I saved I think, by works yeah. versus faith? It's how is God faithful? Right. <laughs> is Even God if, faithful to his right, word? Right. And it seems that he's unfaithful if he's suddenly including the Gentiles without them submitting to God's law right. in terms of the works of law that define our common life together. That's right. Uh, it seems like God is kind of going back on his, you know how it is when, you know yeah, how it yeah. is when like you're younger, when I mean, you have kids, right? When the when the the second in birth order is getting to do a thing at seven that the 13 year old did not get to do when they were seven. And they say, wait, this is not faithful. I hear about it all the time. Yes. Yeah. Right. And you could see if you could go through and point out that actually this was the plan all along, you know? Mm -hmm. So um, he's justifying here. God's God's ability. That God's always worked this way. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah, always, yeah, it's always been this way, even before the law was given. Yeah. That's right. Right. Abraham right. believed and it was credited him as righteousness that's before right. he was circumcised and right. before 400 years before the law said everyone has to be circumcised, right? Yeah. The law is built on faith is what yeah. Paul wants us to say. It's, that's so interesting to me because I think it it speaks to the ways in which the law narrowed you know, it narrowed the Jews' perceptions of God's, you know, it, it, you know, but also, sorry, my brain's going in three different directions at once. You're okay. But like, you know, this was the other part of the scripture that jumped out at me, especially was chapter 15, because law brings wrath and where there is no law, there is no transgression. And I can just yeah. see the Jews' minds working like law is the way in which we're saved, right? Like this is the way in which God works. And yet it seems to me almost that Paul's saying, no, actually the law is the way in which you're condemned. <laughs> Not actually the way in which you're saved, right? You're saved by this other thing that is a priori law, right? Like is before the law. That's key, Um, yeah. And that to me was another, like, even for me now, like I, I often think of rules as like, no, that's the instruction about the right way to do things because that's the way you're supposed to do it. And that's going to lead to you know, mm-hmm. your safety and set, but actually if there, you know, if there wasn't, you know, Paul saying here, you wouldn't even get in trouble, right? Like the whole reason why you're in trouble is because there's the law, um, which I thought was such an interesting, ironic twist on that. Yeah. What was that? It was verse 15, 15, right? Mm-hmm. 
yeah, the law. Yeah. Occasions wrath works, wrath energize, you know, uh, uh, sets in motion wrath. I'm trying to translate that word. Mm, okay. Your God's eye. It's a weird word. Uh, uh, wrath is the weird word. Spin- no, no, no. Law, wrath. I mean, those are also weird words, but I was thinking of the <laughs> verb. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's kata ergazete. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's like, so, you know, sometimes like Paul will talk about things being rendered null or void, mm-hmm. uh, things being deactivated, turned off. This is that word. It's just the positive one. So it's the thing that turns mm-hmm. something on. It's like, so, so it's like the law isn't the cause of the wrath. I don't know if it brings wrath. It's the wrath of God, the punishment of God, the judgment of God is it's like a little spigot and it's only turned on if there's a law, right? Cause it's like, <laughs> cause God will, I mean, you know, I mean, is that to say there was no wrath before the law? Well, that's actually, that's what I'm trying to say is not the case. It's that the wrath is, is there as a possibility, but it's uh, deactivated. So it's, it's, okay. uh, before it's the activated. Law. Okay. It moves from potential to actual ah. by the law. Right. I mean, we know this with our, I mean, again, back to our kids, right? I mean, uh, apologies, listeners, Kristen and I, you know, are same age, grew up together, went to, or I mean, met each other in college, mm-hmm. grew up in the same sort of Wesleyan world. We didn't grow up together, yeah. but we have uh, yeah, family yeah. friends and, and then had kids and our, our eldest are the same age, born just yeah. a few months apart, I think. And now both teenagers. Um, I know, but like, this will totally happen again with an age thing where it's like, like you were saying earlier that when my kids interrupt me, when I'm online live on Facebook and you were, <laughs> you were being very polite and complimenting my patience. Not polite. I really genuinely admire it because I don't think I would be that patient. <laughs> well, it's, so here's a little dirty secret. When the oldest one comes in, I'm not as patient with him Yeah, right. because he should know better. He's yeah. old enough to read a sign that says I'm not available. <laughs> Six-year-old can't read, <laughs> right? But that's what it is. Like the wrath. I mean, that's just an analogy. Obviously, God's wrath is yeah. is a whole different ball game from our human anger. Yeah. But there is some analogy there that, yeah. like, well, the law doesn't apply to the child until they're old enough to understand it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when they are, we hold them to a higher standard. Simple as that, right? right? And and you know this. You're always more. I mean, like, you know, I, I assume like when you're, when your kids were babies in six months and woke up in the middle of the night to breastfeed, you weren't mad at them. I mean, you right, might've been grumpy, right. but yeah, yeah. whereas like when your kids get up, you know, your teenager gets yeah. up and wakes you up in the middle of the night, you're like, go back to bed. Oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> not acceptable. That's yeah. called wrath. That's law. That's verse <laughs> that's 15. <laughs> the law, the law sets in motion wrath. Right. So, okay. So now I'm envisioning the Jews as like the older, dutiful, like sibling and the Gentiles, Bingo. the younger sibling. And they're like, they get Bingo. away with everything. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, now, now notice, I love that you said that. So now all of a sudden Romans nine, Jacob Esau, God by his word picks one, yeah, picks the younger Mm-hmm. As if Paul wants to say Israel was the younger sibling that mm. was included yeah. by God's free choice. And it yeah. was included by just the sheer act of faith is our response. Yeah. 
And then now you're turning around and acting like yeah. Esau, who thinks that they're entitled that, uh, that the Gentiles are being chosen instead of you, not instead of you. That's right. In addition to you, they're being engrafted. They're being brought in. Yeah. Yeah. And it turns out that it was based on faith and grace all along. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's actually not a radical idea. Uh, the radical thing is that it's already happening now be, that the right. end times have kicked in because Jesus was raised from the dead. That's the radical idea. Mm-hmm. Lots of Jews at Paul's time would have been able to, would not have said following the law makes me a child of God. They all knew that they were a child of God by God's mm-hmm. election. Covenant. Of course, they would all agree with that. We often read into it a kind of mm-hmm. modern individualism that says, oh, I, I'm trying to do good works. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, so the, no, the, Jew, the Jews off? would have said, I, "I'm part of God. I'm part of God's people because uh, I was born into it." Right? It's yeah. totally not anything I did. But they so would say we that... need to fall. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh no, sorry. I sorry. I, didn't, I was just say, how did that get off the rails then? By the time they arrived in Romans four. Yeah. Well. So you probably were the, going there. I just interrupted. The stakes you. are still really high because remember, God is the creator and the judge. He's the one who makes us and the one who raises us from the dead. Mm -hmm. And if we want God to show up in history and raise the dead and make things right, because the world is not right. Well, why would he do that unless we were faithful followers? Right? So we need to be found faithful. They they would even, sometimes they would half humorously say, if we could have one Sabbath, when every single Jew actually followed the Sabbath, the Messiah would come. Uh And like, so you catch what I'm saying? So they're not, it's not the like, we're not, we're not in because of our faith. I mean, because of our works, Uh but God's not going to help us until we get it. He's not going to, he's not going to save us, but save us in the sense of rescue us from this awful Mm. uh, circumstance of being oppressed by the Romans. Mm -hmm. Um, If we could, if we could just get our own act together and really follow the law perfectly, Mm -hmm. then God would almost have no choice, but to you know, to, to come send his Messiah and liberate us. Right. And this is a constant temptation. I mean, like we think if we could just, I mean, this is silly, but I mean, you think of like during the pandemic, like, okay, I am so happy if someone is, is submitting to a regulation to wear a mask, but sometimes you get the vibe that they actually think if I wear this mask, yeah. It's going to be okay. Everything's going to be fixed, right? It's like, no, no, we could all be doing exactly what the CDC is telling us to do. And still, it might not come right away. (laughs) It might just be a while, right? So I'm not saying there's no stakes. Like, obviously, it makes a difference if people participate in the regulations, in the law. But it isn't a kind of uh, simple calculus where it's like, right? You know, if I if I I'm, I did everything right and yet these awful things happened to me. Think of Job, yeah. right? Why it's that kind of. Yeah. Why didn't he respond? <laughs> why didn't he do right? And I, that was the other. I, I was uh, faithful to him. Why is he not faithful right. to me? Right? Yeah, that the law sort of engenders the sense of 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 like we own not that we own God, but like he's going to, he's, he's got to respond in a certain way to us. If we do this, this way versus I liked entitlement. I thought entitlement was good. Yeah. When you said that earlier, that's a short. Yeah. Versus faith, Um, which glorifies God, right. Which gives him honor. Oh, that's, I think his language, right. In verse 20, how does verse 20 go? 
Yeah, yeah, he did not wait. Sorry, we just kind of went off on a whole tangent of how to understand Paul in general. Well, let's bring it back. So thanks for (laughs) quoting that. Glory, (laughs) 20, yet with respect to the promise, Mm -hmm. he did not waver in unbelief, but grew Mm -hmm. strong in faith, giving glory Glory to God. Glory to God, yeah, yeah. Giving glory to God. So again, I don't know, maybe that, I don't know, is Paul speaking and, you know, it seems like he keeps comparing this and that, this and that, right? Like the law Mm. and faith. And then, you know, the law brings, the law brings condemnation, but faith brings, you know, salvation and the law mm-hmm. c- creates entitlement, but faith brings glory to God, right? Like he's this dichotomy he seems to set up in sort of pitting the two against one another. Um, but I thought that was, I had never thought of law and faith in that way either that like you were saying, if we just wear the mat, you know, like if we, if everybody just obeys Sabbath, like you were saying, then he's, then he's got to respond I'd never thought of the law in that way of how it kind of lays claim mm, to God, yeah. you know, like, okay, now you need to respond because I did all the right things versus faith is just a complete, it feels like faith is an entirely different dimension, right? Like completely different orientation. Um, it's about, like Paul says, glorifying God, bringing glory to God. Yeah. So that struck me as really interesting. Yeah. Verse 20 seems to have like, the essence of what he wants us to learn from Abraham okay, in a way, right? The second half, the, the promise of God. So that's God's word being spoken, but a word that, that is a creative word, but that can, is not yet fully fulfilled. Okay. But has the power to create. Yes. Yeah. Bring out something out of nothing. Uh And he doesn't waver in unbelief, Mm -hmm. but grows strong in faith. Faith and give glory to God. But what, so what does that mean gives glory to in this, in this sense, in this line, what does he mean that Abraham is giving glory to God? Hmm. Like, is it, like, is it a word thing? Like, is he praising uh, God or is it like, is it, is it like just by his actions and his life? Oh, interesting. Glory to God or, you know, like. Yeah. So over in the gospels, that phrase tends to be the whole, you know, the crowds are like, whoa, Jesus just healed somebody. Right. It's that kind of. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But I don't know how Paul uses that phrase. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. You wonder if he has something in mind. My uh, footnote suggests looking at Hebrews 1134. I'll flip over there real quick. Okay. See if that helps. 1134. Hebrews 1134. This could be a dead end. So this will be really great radio. That's good. I leave, leave it in, guys. <laughs> Let them know that we're not. Our ideas aren't always great. <laughs> <laughs> Are not at least always fully formed by the time we record. So quench the fury of the flames. Wait, we said eleven eleven thirty four. Yeah, it doesn't fit. <laughs> quench the fury of the flames and escape the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned to strength, and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Hmm. You know what? I'm not sure H means Hebrews. well no i think it is that's weird so okay so but was was back to romans chapter 20 became strong so that's so interesting so you're saying chapter verse verse 20 is like the seed right like it's it's sort of like the dna of the whole message is in this it might be i don't know i'm just trying to i I just was struck by yeah. The flow there. 
Yeah. There's the promise of God. There's there's not believing. Yeah. And then there's there's having the faith, but then being strengthened in the faith. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that God God. had, maybe the, I don't know, like being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. So there you go. God being, so maybe that's the glory to God. Maybe that's that's the practical sort of application is the is being fully persuaded, which I'd be interested in. What what is that word originally in the Greek? The f- being fully persuaded. Yeah. Twenty one. Uh, Plerophoresis. So it's a participle. Uh, it's phore. It would be mind. Uh, thought similar to it's has a similar root to Romans eight, where it talks about your mind being set on things above. Ah. So then the play row is full, uh-huh. a fullness play Roma full. So um, a mind full of mm. this, this so fully convinced, fully convinced is good. Yeah. That's a good translation. Yeah. I think that works. So interesting. Like what is the relationship here between word and thought, right? Like, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love it. This is like our most philosophical episode. I love it. Sorry. But, I <laughs> please, I refuse your apology. That was a compliment. <laughs> I'm always trying to get philosophical. Occasionally I'll have guests on some of the regulars like Mandy, Laura. <laughs> I'll ask those kind of questions and they'll be like, I don't know. And then we just move on to the next verse. You know? <laughs> the reasonable answer. So maybe, <laughs> I love maybe, it. There is, maybe there is no answer, but I, I but doesn't it seem I love like, it. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to co-op the word. Fa- I mean, to cope the word faith into thought that's not i'm not trying to equate but it has an interior sense here he yeah and there does paul is paul is doing what we're doing to paul's right now paul's trying to do with genesis he's trying to dig into the text and he wants to exposit and say when i say he had faith i don't just mean he -hmm. was like yeah 51 percent. it's likely Mm-hmm. You know, it's more likely yeah. than not that God will do this, right? It's that he's fully he convinced. Can't, yes, and will. And notice I, he's fully convinced, not that something will happen, although mm-hmm. that's the implication. Mm-hmm. He's fully convinced that the promiser is uh, able and will do it. Amen. Right? Amen. Preach it. I, sorry. That like that just blesses my heart. Yeah. Like again, because if if we're talking about like it's going to happen this way, doesn't that feel a little bit like law? Like we're laying claim to it's gotta it's gotta fulfill in this certain way that I've I've sort of preconceived. But that's not the point. The point is believing the one who's made the promise, yep. right? Like we know he's capable of this. That's beautiful. I think that's, that's right. So and what does beautiful. it say? His the quote that he keeps quoting. And Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. As righteousness. Not that he right. believed that it would, yeah, fall yeah. in a certain way. I love that. So beautiful. Because it does happen, but also it ends up playing out in a really weird way. He doesn't have the details are mean. Right, full yeah. of surprises. I, so that that question about the, the relationship between word and thought, like I when I think about that, lo, what is it? Logo? Logo? Yeah, yeah. Like logo, oh, log- my. logos is thought as much as word. That's yeah. right. Like, hasn't it historically mm-hmm. been associated logos with thought and word, right? Like, what is that connection? Is that maybe we're re- I'm reading it into the text and it's not there. But- well, no, but it's, it's part of the heart of the difference between God and us is for mm-hmm. us, thought, word, action mm-hmm. are all distinct from one another mm-hmm. in a way that's just not true for God. Yeah. If he thinks it and he says it, it happens, it's, right? It's, <laughs> right now, there might that might be extended in time for us, yeah. 
but for God, that's all, it's a package deal. Would they have understood, would Paul have understood that to be one and the same or distinct? Would they, the Jews and Gentiles, how would they have understood that? Well, the Gentiles wouldn't get it. Uh, the Greeks invented this notion of distinctions between That's thinking right. and speaking. But it, this is precisely well. how Hebrew, yeah. I mean, yeah, Paul's Paul's just a good rabbi in this regard because they all know that God created by speaking and he spoke Hebrew when he did it, right? Like mm. they all think the Torah, the Torah <laughs> is older than the creation, right? The rabbis would debate wow. what was God doing before he created the world? Well, well, he was wow. creating the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet, uh, and things like that. I mean, that would be on the list of things they would half joking that, speculate that God was. So language is older than time and language is older than, yeah. than the world. Uh, um, to that, the just, that just yeah. speaks to me. I mean, as someone who is, is a rhetorician. Yeah. <laughs> like that, I knew you'd like I that. that. <laughs> I was saving that just for you. <laughs> oh, that just, yeah, that speaks to me on a deep level. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew you'd dig that. that was... That's amazing. <laughs> He's creating the alphabet before he created the, that's amazing. All right. And I think Paul would still agree. Of course, the Torah, the law is mm-hmm. God. I mean, he makes it quite clear. The law is not evil. It occasions sin and wrath on our side. But the mm. law was not evil. The law was based on faith from the beginning. It was all mm. a gift of God's grace and founded on our faith uh, that God will do what he will do. But we mm. need to constantly be directing um, our faith upon God rather than on the the kind of contractual obligations of entitlement. Yes. <laughs> you know, tit for tat, I do this, then this will happen, you know. I Man, I see this towering, this message, like, towering up through the ages right doesn't this just feels as applicable to me now today as it did then like goodness it's well that's a perfect transition (laughs) let's talk about how to do that let's take a quick break and come back and explore some sermon starters and we're back welcome back to fresh text i'm here with Kristen taylor we're looking at romans chapter 4 verses 13 through 25. And this is the part of the show where we explore some sermon starters. Now, Kristen's on a teaching team at her church and preaches a, a handful of times a year. Did you say four, four times mm-hmm. a year is kind of your, yep. um, but she is uh, uh, first and foremost, a poet and uh, a, a student of language. And uh, she offered when I asked her to do the show offered to uh, compose some poems inspired by this text. So I thought that'd be a fun place to start. I actually was going to ask her to do that, but then she, she like offered and then I was like, yay, good. I don't, I, won't. I was like, how do I, how do I put someone on the spot like that? Apparently a real poet can just, you know, write a poem by assignment. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, why don't you read some or all of those uh, mm-hmm. just as a jumping off point? Yeah. Okay. So as I was telling you in the break, I, most of what I did was just write the poems in response to the individual verses that really struck me and just me trying to render in creative language, sort of the images that came to mind when I, when I read those verses and how I was trying to piece them together in my imagination. So the first verse that struck me was verse 14, where Paul says, where there is no law, there is no transgression. And as we talked about earlier, this made me think about the irony that, um, you know, without law, there wouldn't in some ways be condemnation, um, that it is defined, that law defines for us 
and also sort of condemns as well. And so uh, this was the poem that I, I wrote. The law is a hide, cured with salt, drowned in water, scraped of skin and hair, tanned and drawn to hold the liquid dark as sin. A ruler, tiny segments of flesh marked out by black scratches of right and wrong. A diagnosis, the cool eyes of a doctor probing the depths of pain, scoping the soft interior of rot, calling the blight by name. A typewriter's mallet, pounding the white vellum of our souls with inky lines, letters that pronounce our losses and our flaws. A black asphalt road, slicing through looping whispers of grass, all the while demanding in this gravel voice, this is where the way should go. Um, the second verse that struck me, uh, which probably was the, the one that had the most significant impact on me, was verse 16. Um, the promise comes by faith so that it may be by, by grace. And this idea that we talked about of faith being a co-creative act in a way that we're sort of mir- mirroring uh, God's creative power to bring something out of nothing. When we have faith, we're hoping for what we cannot see. We're sure of what we, you know, hope, wait, how does it go? Hopeful, of what, sure of what we hope for and certain of what we cannot see. And so I imagined in creative language what what this might look like figuratively. So faith is a child banging around the kitchen, beating pots and pans, smiling at her mother, a mixing bowl tucked into the bend of her arm, like hands clasping a wooden spoon, stirring nothing but air. When she is not looking, the mother pours in batter, sprinkles chocolate into the mix, places the child's empty hands over a cookie sheet, scoops dollops of sugar gold by teaspoons, guides the tray into a glowing oven, sets the timer, waits until both hear the ding of grace, the child never fully knowing when she stopped pretending and her mother started cooking. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's so powerful. (laughs) Wow. Although now, oh, go ahead. Not knowing when she stopped pretending and her mother started cooking. Mm. Yeah, that's it. Mm. that's it it might feel like pretend on our side Mm. but it's actually creating something Mm. Mm -hmm. and the ding of grace you know the 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 grace note yeah brings forth that this is all gift Mm. you know yeah both the mother and the child are delighted when the cookies come out even though the mother did it and knew it was going (laughs) to happen and the child contributed nothing in fact might have slowed it down Uh, (laughs) and that's the relationship of faith and grace you know and is law is law a part of a subordinate part of that of course yeah hot don't touch right Right? law's not evil but it's not the point it's not the point right oh man that's beautiful and so is the first one especially i mean all those images of law again it captures Mm -hmm. that they have a purpose Mm -hmm. the the hide the mm-hmm. diagnosis, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you don't build your life around those, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, like, you know, that. in some ways, you know what needs to be fixed because of the law, right? Like, you know, exactly. oh, here, this is what needs to be fixed. You don't have language for it without the law. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that faith, that the thing that struck me about that idea of this co-creative act with God was, yeah, that he is delighted by our faith, right? Like, here we are. Um, 
sidling up alongside of him, like me too, you know, like I'm going to, you know, like I want to join in with this with you, you know, and, and that, um, and that in a way it's not, you know, I think sometimes we think about like God, we're praying to God in faith, like a genie, like we're going to, you know, pray for this. So he'll do this or that. It's faith. Mm -hmm. Faith is not shaping God into our, what we are desiring or wanting. It's actually, I think true faith is us aligning. Like if we have true faith, we're naturally aligning with what God is already doing, right? God's already in the kitchen. He's already about the business of baking and doing the things, right? And um, but we're we're choosing in that moment to sort of sidle up alongside, and we're banging around. We think we're doing something, right? <laughs> it's perfect, and it's a wonderful image of what it means to be unwavering in faith. Like we might mishear that as like this kind of grit your teeth. I'm really going to believe it no matter what, right? Whereas actually the child is so trusting of the parent Mm. that the cookies will get done, that -hmm. they get to just play. (gasps) Right. So it's not, if you were wavering, then you'd have to think about it, but you don't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. You can just participate in it in your own small way. And like you said, faith's not us shaping God into our image, but God shaping Mm -hmm. us into his image, right? Which the child's doing as they're, kind of mm-hmm. pretending and playing. <laughs> yeah. And 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 again here we have this sort of like versus us dichotomy of like law. Like isn't isn't there a sort of play? Isn't it interesting to think about faith as play? Like mm-hmm. what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Like, faith is spiritual play, right? Like in delight versus the law, which definitely is not that. <laughs> yeah. It's not play. You know, there's not delight in that. But well it's work, right? We and that's what and we work. contrast those work versus play. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And productivity mm-hmm. goes with law and work and creativity right. goes with play and yeah. faith. Yeah. Right. Which is so easy to dismiss as like, meh, that's not really contributing. Well, we anything. call it your time off. Right. As if, it count, as if it's like, yeah, negated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's beautiful. Anyway, so interesting. Did you have more? Know. I can't remember how many. I mean, you're yes, amazing. I do. I had three more. So here. Oh, geez. I want to hear them. The geez was me interrupting you, not how many you have. Yay. Let's hear them. <laughs> okay, good. Um, all right. So then the second half. So that the first two poems were taken from the first part of the, the, the passage. The next year, the second half, Romans 4, 18 through 25. Um, and I titled this one, The Characteristics of Faith. So here are some characteristics that jumped out at me that Paul talks about faith. In verse 18, he says that Abraham, against all hope, believed. So here's the poem. When human hope becomes a rope pulling tight, friction from fibers rubbing skin, restricting access, blood flow faltering and sputtering through veins like a clock's tick and thump, hope instead in the one whose velvet robe sweeps across the expanse of your life who turns the crank and gears of your limited circumstances into a plane that slides across the horizon of his majesty. Blow the seeds of your anxiety to the wind and watch them swirl away on so many eddies of his thoughts. So this was, I just taken by this idea of like human hope versus hoping in God, which we've talked about, who is the one that can do it, right? Like he actually can deliver on his promise, right? Um, That's glory, right? The robe makes me think of. Oh, yeah. Royal robe would have a glory connotation, the ancient world. I was very moved by that poem, Kristen, to have, I could feel the tight 
rope, even of yeah. this season, you know, just like, oh, mm. there's only like this little bit of stuff that we're holding on to. Mm. Frayed rope. Yeah. And then and then just I felt that the robe just kind of nudge <laughs> the velvet, right? Just kind of swing past and how mm. different those are. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, I was really moved by that too in the passage where, you know, if he's hoping, human hope would say there is none, right? Like he's dead, she's dead for all intents and purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet this larger hope, which is beyond that sort of plane, right, that we exist on. Um, yeah. I don't know why that feels so necessary to me right now. <laughs> Maybe it is because the season we're living in with with everything, but. Um, I mean, so the think second, of how oh, excited we get whenever there's like the smallest good news in the like, oh. land, right? Yeah. And you can tell like, oh, we're just grasping at any little frayed rope mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's not very satisfying. It makes you happy for like, I don't know, six hours right. <laughs> and then it's gone, right? It's like right. totally gone the next day. You know, like <laughs> we had like, we had vaccine news and it was like, oh yeah. And then like the <laughs> next morning, you're like, I just it didn't last at all, you know? <laughs> That's um, right. That's right. Just little phrase of hope. And it's valid, but it's so limited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, yeah. So the ne- other verse that st- uh, stood out to me was face the fact. Abraham faced the facts. He wasn't in denial. We talked about this blind faith. Blind faith. He wasn't ignorant to what was going on. He wasn't, mm-hmm. he wasn't discounting the reality of his existence and his, you know, um, uh, but faith sort of drew him beyond that. And so this is what I wrote in response to verse 19. Faith doesn't ignore the grit and sweat and crush of now. It welcomes the turpentine sting of days, wraps them up with two arms, holds them close, then presses onward into the hush and hallow just beyond the scope of time. There is a promise whispering around us like an embrace, a sweet note singing in our joints. Shh, listen. Let the gravity of the song pull you down and down and down into the liquid depths of silence till you know the gift Yahweh holds, a touch that transcends the empty squares of your day. So two things strike me about this. One, how I I had written the word promise in here. There's a promise whispering around us like an embrace. And now now I think of that word differently after our conversation. And then... Um, to the liquid depths of silence. Um, I've heard you refer to this in your Lauds and Vespers when you're talking about spiritual direction. And I've read a little bit about this too, this idea that silence is for the word and the mm. word is for silence, right? Like we, there's a spiritual law of gravity sort of at work when we can get silent, right? And we can maybe mm-hmm. hear that bigger promise from God that is beyond. You almost sense the silence of the silence and the darkness and the nothingness the at the moment of creation you know oh. right and then how that's recapitulated in the tomb of christ you know mm. as he's raised from the dead wow yeah mm-hmm. i had not thought of that that's beautiful yeah and then again the torah is in the dark in the silence the, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> i love it um, and then the finally verse 20 um, gave glory to God, which we talked about that really struck me um, that, that the dichotomy of the law tries to lay claim to God versus faith gives glory to God. And so I wrote this in response. Works try and lay claim to the infinite. 
I did this, now you do this. A teeter-totter, a seesaw. If I push, then you go down. If you let up, then I sink under the weight of expectations. A lanyard looped around my neck. A false key to let me into all the secret places I think I want to go. This key must force you to open the door. Look, I have placed it here just like so. Look, I have spoken the incantation. I have drummed up the right beat. I have stamped my foot in the right spot and waved my arms like trees whipped by storms. See, I have made my mark. Now you must turn and see and dance too. Those are the rules. Faith, instead, points to grandeur, a highlight, a brush painted across the pigments on a page, a light touch opening up the many harmonious notes in a song. See here, look at who Yahweh is. Look what he can do. See his spirit rush up from the ground like the massive beat of angel wings. Watch how he hovers over the body, breathing life into our florid limbs. And better yet, listen how he whispers into our thoughts until the magenta and emerald tones of hope burst across the panes of our imagination. He is yes. He is ah. He is the thought that holds all this together. Mm-hmm. He is yes. He is ah. He is the thought that holds all of this together. It's all there, right? Creation, the name of God, the promise of God. Oh my goodness. Yeah, and what is our faith but saying yes to his yes, saying ah to his ah, right? (laughs) To having our thought correspond to his thought. Wow, that's really, really, really good stuff, Kristen. Thank you. I have one regret on this show. I wish I'd asked you to read those poems at the beginning of the second segment. (laughs) So we'd have more time to talk about them. They're so good. And they hit no on all worries. the big themes. No worries. Um, yeah, that was really good. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for, for giving, um, well, an hour of your time for the show, but a lot of time prior to that uh, with these poems and with your reflections. Mm-hmm. I appreciate it a ton. Oh, I loved so, it. Thank you for the prompt. I don't often do this on my own. I, ge- generally, it always comes from prompts, but it's rich for me. I feel like it opens the scripture for me in a new way. So thank you. Oh, it did for me as well. I was really, yeah, really moved to blessed by that. So I hope our listeners are too. I'll just say this for anyone listening. I mean, we have a handful of listeners, of course, who like quite literally, this is how they uh, get their sermon prep uh, cooking on a Monday morning. And I just want to say to y'all, you got some exegesis, you got some theology and got some poetry. That should be enough. <laughs> you do you, man, you figure it out. I mean, and I would suggest this would be a good week to to experiment with. Mm-hmm. Uh, revisiting Kristen's poems. She'll be posting those online uh, at some point and, and maybe even give a shot and see what those stir in you and give mm-hmm. a shot at writing a poem. Even if you don't feel yes. safe in your poetry to put that in a sermon, sermons are always enhanced by the depth dimension of experience that's hiding behind them. Mm. Even if it doesn't always come out in the language, you know, I think mm-hmm. a lot of people think, Oh, I'm not a poet. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. Maybe you wouldn't put maybe you wouldn't feel ready to read a poem in your sermon, but you might be able to play with some poetry and Oh, that's right. And it'll I make your preaching that. so much better. Even if you I keep it that. to yourself, it will still change you how you Yeah. Your relationship to language. Process. Yeah. yeah, the creative process. It opens up another part of your brain when you're engaging the scripture. Much like Lectio Divina, I think. Um mm-hmm. yeah. It adds I think you're right. Even if you don't share it, it'll at least add a different open up a slightly different window. 
yeah. um, to look through. Yeah. Well, alas, the time is at hand. Thank you so much, Kristen, for the time that you've given. And uh, yeah, thanks as always to Todd and Eric for their work of uh, production and editing. I can't imagine doing this show without them. Thanks to Tom Adamson for donating the theme music. And most of all, thanks to y'all listeners for supporting the show and getting the word out about the show and uh, thinking about becoming a Patreon, a patron saint, if you haven't already, uh, to help support the show. I don't see a cent of that, but uh, that helps uh, for all the behind-the-scenes work that Todd and Eric do. Uh, be nice to help them out in that regard. So uh, with that said, we say have a good preach and a great week. Bye-bye. <laughs>